We're the middle children of history, man. No purpose or place. We have no great war, no great depression. Our great war is a spiritual war. Our great depression is our lives. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. We're slowly learning that fact, and we're struggling to embrace the void. I hate purity. I hate goodness. I don't want virtue to exist anywhere. I want everyone corrupt. Leaves from the vine Falling so slow Sometimes, Master, it is difficult for meatbags to step back and gain some perspective on death and its importance in their insignificant lives. I don't know if I'm up for this. I'm so emotional, I can barely think straight. Great. Use that. Embrace the void. Warning, this podcast contains foul language, dark invocations, and treating women like their people. Welcome, friends, to episode 193 of Embrace the Void, where it's sparring season again. I am your host, Aaron, and this week we're discussing an old-school internet approach to our epistemic crisis, so let's get punchy. Life ends in death, which we, as a species, are cursed with knowing, resulting in... something. My guest this week is Frost one of the masters of the ancient verbal art of Bullshido. Uh, Frost, would you like to say hi to the void? Hello, void. Yeah, it's actually awesome being on. I, I've listened to a tons of your, your shows. So. Oh, well, thank you very it's, much. It's I cool. appreciate that. It's, it's yeah. I really enjoyed your conversation in particular on Decoding the Gurus. We are now both members of the Guru family, and that's been a lot of fun. And um, I'm glad to have you on to talk more about your uh, fascinating art of bullshito. Um, we, you know, <laughs> we've had lots of conversations on this show about conversations. Um, I'm always looking for new ways to try to address the kind of epistemic crisis that it seems like we're all sort of wading through at the moment. Um, so do you want to get folks going here? Um, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, what is Bullshito and what brought you to be associated with this particular uh, style? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, back in like early days of the Internet, well, not that early, but uh, like 2002, uh, it was just a group of people hanging out on Internet forums because that's where things were back then. Uh, we um, and we were discussing a topic in the martial arts. It was a martial arts forum, a uh, jujitsu forum. And um, there, there was some shady stuff going on and we just wanted to talk about it. But the people running the forum did just completely shut it down. So we're like, we need to create a site where we can have open discussion that's unfettered and uh, not connected to the good old boy network. And, you know, we can expose BS because there was a lot of it back then. And, um, I just do it in a free sort of thing. So that's how it kind of kicked off. And then about six months later, we just started meeting up in person um, and kind of 
beating the hell out of each other. So <laughs> kind of took on like a fight club aspect to it. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, that's where the, the idea of Bullshito came from because it, we were fighting bullshit in the martial arts. And um, mm-hmm. as the years went on, uh, the UFC got more and more popular. So uh, there wasn't a lot of work for us to do because more and more people were getting used to the idea of what martial arts were supposed to look like when people were actually doing them to, you know, with intent. So mm-hmm. we, um, <laughs> we, uh, we, we kind of tapered off and expanded into, um, health and fitness and just a broader scope of things because, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of things like homeopathy and, uh, chiropractors is a kick that I'm on, you know, recently. And, and so mm-hmm. a lot of that overlaps into the martial arts world. And we were, we, it was a natural fit for us because a lot of the people that were doing it back in the day, we have, you know, doctors, we have attorneys, we have, you know, educated people that are still rough around the edges and still like punching each other in the head. And they, mm-hmm. um, they wanted to take on this, this challenge. So we're like, yeah, let, let's do it. And then 2016 happened. Um, and we were already starting to, to see the rumbles of, you know, things like fake news and, uh, like weaponized fake news. Uh, it just, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. As, as that became a bigger and bigger problem. And, uh, we were, we we're kind of in, in the saddle ready to go on that. And, and so, our audience since back in the day is kind of the, like I said, the rough edges, the, the, the dudes that like enjoy violence and, you know, consensual violence, of course, but um, they, they did, they're, they're fighty. They, they're, you know, some of them are educated, but some of them aren't so much, but you know, they're, they're open to new ideas. So we have a whole mm-hmm. spectrum of, of people. Uh, I would like to say that there's a diverse spectrum in there, but if I'm being honest, it's mostly dudes like me, you know, uh, with sort of mm-hmm. my skin tone and my, which I realize now that this is an audio podcast. So, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I think, I'm I think we can fun. infer what you mean by from that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I guess we can leave it like that, but yeah. So, uh, and, and we've, we've had a lot of overlap with a lot of the, the more notable audiences of podcasts and stuff like, you know, the Joe Rogan's, the Jocko Wilnick's and the, and those guys out there. So we're, um, we're trying to reach those guys now because mm-hmm. a lot of them that, that that's our, that's our big thing at the moment. A lot of them are easily manipulated. I'm, there's so many people in the martial arts world right now, for example, that are into QAnon and mm-hmm. into all that stuff. And while the, all the prophecies and stuff have uh, not come true and things have, you know, people are scurrying back under their rocks a bit. Um, mm-hmm. That's still that level of credulity that we're trying to attack. And so we're, we've come up okay. with a couple strategies for doing that. So this is essentially kind of like skepticism with a little bit of violence thrown in, right? This is uh, highly, highly aggressive skepticism for martial yeah. artists, um, which, <laughs> yeah, we're like, okay. We're like the, the militant wing of the, the skeptics movement, I guess you could now, say. Now, does the, does the bullshito refer specifically to the willingness to fi- actually physically fight somebody over something? Or is it more of the like um mental judo that's going into trying to invert people's arguments and things like that and the like the fight club thing is just a little bit of a side um hustle has that side activity it's it's just started off as a well honestly actually what really happened the, the nitty-gritty of it we, we were we started off as mcdojo.com because you know okay. commercialized school that was just about making money didn't care about whether or not you're good at fighting and so um yeah, that got squashed uh, a few months into it after McDonald's, uh, like IP lawyers kind of wow. came after All us right. like real quick, real quick. And, um, so I was like, you know, I remember that there was an old game called Bushido blade, uh, in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Like 
and sure. I played it. I thought it was cool as hell. So I was like, I used some jokes like, I, I, I'm going to cut you with my bullshito blade. And so I was like, holy shit, there it goes. Ding, Eureka. Um, and so that was a perfect fit for us. And it described like all the stuff we were fighting. We were fighting bullshit in the martial mm-hmm. arts. So as the years went by, we decided to start, try to coalesce this into, into an approach to fight bullshit. So it's uh, bullshito is kind of the art of fighting bullshit now. Okay. So before we dive into the approach here a little bit, you mentioned that you feel like there's a higher than average rate of credulity amongst the sort of population that you are particularly interested in and spend a lot of time around. Do you have a sense about why that is? Like, what, where would you attribute? I, I might assume there's multiple causes, but like, what is your feelings on that? Um. Yeah, I mean, there's, because there's a lot of the, uh, I, I hate this phrase, but thought leaders in this space. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, <laughs> uh, we, we, we got to go back included. to Joe Rogan because, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, to an extent, but yeah, like, like the Joe Rogans of the world, have an audience and they have the, the chads and the bros and they have the, the dudes that are just like, man, that's cool, man. He's just talking to, he's Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent's a good guy. And you know, then they're going to Neil deGrasse Tyson and I'm not anti Joe Rogan. Cause I think he has, I mean, he's, Oh God, I don't, I don't want to die myself out here a little bit, but yeah, he talks to some complete jackasses like Alex Jones and, and Ted Nugent and those kind of things. I think he even had somebody on uh, like years ago that didn't believe in the germ theory of disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember uh, exiting out of that, that episode pre- pretty quick. And um, so, yeah, he's, he's, I know, I know he got his start in conspiracy theories and, you know, his buddy, Eddie Bravo's a, you know, just straight up, we didn't land on the moon uh, kind of crap. So yeah. he was he's kind of like art bell for, for Chad's uh, when he first started out. And then he just started to talk to more people. I mean, he had Richard Dawkins on the show and, you know, for all his faults, you know, he's, he's out there. He's a science communicator and he's reaching people to say, Hey, you know, science is cool. So in fact, we have that in our show. Uh, our, our intro has this clip. He's like, science is uh, interesting. If you don't like it, you can fuck off. That's hmm. my favorite Dawkins quote, but um, okay. yeah. So those are, that's the kind of the things that we're going after is that kind of audience where, uh, they're more susceptible to crap because they're just basic dudes, you know? I mean, they're, they're the guys that buy the four wheel drive trucks and, you know, they, they want to puff out their chest a little bit and be seen as, as, as tough guys. And, mm-hmm. and if, if they're listening to the wrong people, if they're consuming the wrong media, then they're basically as defenseless against being taken advantage of by the bullshit as somebody that's never learned to take a punch. Mm-hmm. So it was a natural right. fit for us. That makes sense, right? So that identity narrative that they they feel a strong need for. I'm a little, I'm actually a little surprised that you're not, you're not more interested in taking like a, a more critical eye towards Jorg. Maybe you know, like I understand that you're in a situation where, like, maybe in your community that that can be that can burn a lot of bridges very quickly for you. But like, he seems to me, I mean, like the way you were sort of phrasing it was like, well, he used to be into conspiracy theories, but now he's mellowed out some. But like, he's still doing like anti-vaxxer kind of skepticism. And you're right. It, it, yeah, and I'm curious about that. Mm-hmm. He he is he's trying to have it both ways. I, I he's absolutely trying to get away with the shit. I mean, having Alex Jones on as a guest is problematic to understate it. Mm-hmm. And um, his his recent thing about masks and, you know, Bill Burr taking him to tasks was was great. Um, so, yeah. And, and what, what did he say recently that, you know, people under 25 shouldn't don't need to get vaccinated and, and that kind of thing because they're healthy. Right. Like, it's like and, and yeah, 
Yeah. It's it's even I mean it's less about like specific guests. Uh, certainly, you know, it's not great to have be platforming Alex Jones, but if like he was platforming Alex Jones and then like taking him to task for like making stuff up, then that would be a different conversation in my mind, but I think, you know, he's yes. very credulous towards a lot of conspiracy theories and I think promotes a kind of credulity while at the same time pretending to be sort of incredulous in various ways. Yeah. At the very least he condones it. And uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I'm, op- I have no problem with criticizing Joe. Uh, I mean, he lives in town locally. It's not like we're going to run into each other at Walmart or anything, but uh, yeah. Uh-huh. So I, we do have a lot of overlap in audience. He's missioned us on the show a couple times. Um, so, I mean, that's, yeah, that's really, I mean, I have no hesitancy, like, just burning the bridge with the people that are like hardcore Joe Rogan fans, because you know, at, at this point, if, if, if you're still 100% on the Joe Rogan train, I kind of don't think a lot about you because mm. he's, yeah, he, he's harmed his brand a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not funny anymore. It, it's not mm-hmm. a, it's not a joke. You got to take shit seriously. we got 600,000 Americans dead. And, and then, you know, the vaccine is our best hope for getting out of this. And we've already got the usual suspects telling people not to get vaccinated. The Tucker Carlson's and all the, the evangelicals and, and everybody all, like on the far right. Uh, so we don't need any extra noise in that, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think he has, he's not as bad as he used to be, but then he just kind of got bad a little bit again. So this pandemic. Yeah. No, before the pandemic. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Um, yeah, and I want to talk about vaccine hesitancy in particular in a second. But before we get to that, what is so? Let's talk a little bit about the, your your method here, right? What are the kinds of techniques that you have found sort of particularly effective with with interacting with this particular crowd? Would you say? Yeah, uh, I mean, sort of our go to late, lately, especially has been to call people out on, I mean, maybe not so straight up overtly, but to use the same emotional, mental, psychological hooks that are in a bunch of dudes that need to validate, you know, their, their toughness, their masculinity, their, this kind of thing, you know, this and that. Um, and, and use that as a, as a way to say, Hey, look, you're not really the, the manliest man. If you're flipping out about every single issue and you're crying, you're trying to play a victim about the fact that somebody wants to put a piece of cloth over your face. So you're not breathing on people. So that that's not very mm-hmm. masculine to, to be constantly whining about this and that. Um, I mean, even if you want to reference like the old, the old 1950s middle American idea of a, a masculine man, just stoically bearing uh, something and, you know, sacrificing themselves for the good of the humanity and whatever, and, and being, and, and, and hanging on, onto that kind of thing and, and keep it inside. I mean, that's still a step up from people that are, are frothing up mouth and beating cops up with uh, flagpoles and storming the Capitol uh, because they're just like, they they can't process the, the fact that their guy lost. So. Mm-hmm. so this is, this is this idea. I think that you talked about this a little bit before the show about sort of fragile masculinity, right? That like yes. there is this kind of, fragile masculinity that I think is, um, you know, a major problem amongst young men these days and is makes them an easier target, it seems like, for this kind of material. Is that so is that sort of what you're getting at? And how would you sort of would you say that's fairly similar in some ways to discussions around toxic masculinity or how might you like distinguish between those concepts some? 
Yeah, of course. So um, I, I, I separate them out. I mean, I, I think there's probably a lot of overlap, but uh, fragile masculinity is somebody uh, in a nutshell, somebody trying to compensate for their their self-doubt, their, I'm not sure, am I living up to what I think I should be? Do I need Mm -hmm. to, do I need to beat my chest more? Do I need to get bigger tires on my truck? Do I need to, you know, punch that guy at the bar? Uh, Like that, that's fragile. And and a lot of those guys Mm -hmm. are susceptible to, to the kind of ads on TV that say, Hey man, you need to buy a truck if you're not. And and they're pretty overt about it. I remember one, a couple of years ago where it's like a guy standing Mm -hmm. next to a truck and a guy standing next to a car and the women are like, Oh, well we like the truck guy better. And so, yeah, I live in Texas, so I see that constantly. Sure. Half the, the vehicles on the road are oversized trucks. Um, mm-hmm. And so that would be fragile. I mean, it's the the need to overcompensate for what you feel is a lack of your own, you know, I don't know, masculinity. And then toxic, as I would look at it, as we're, the lens that we're looking at it through here, is mm-hmm. more of a the dose makes the poison kind of thing because obviously mm-hmm. masculinity is great masculinity is is what it is it's it's a part of our our experience but toxic is when you're like you take it way too far probably because you know you've you picked up the idea that that's what it's supposed to be like mm-hmm. you know stuff like men don't cry or um you know you'd never let a, a woman talk to you like that or if a guy is hitting on your woman you know just maladaptive sort of responses to normal Mm -hmm. situations just seen through the fact that you need to, you know, act a certain way. So that, that would be the toxic end of it. Right. And so we could imagine, for example, I think it would be plausible to say that like, we don't know if not all probably, but a lot of people who express kind of toxic masculine behavior are probably compensating for fragile masculinity to some extent, though there are probably also individuals who, you know, are just like jerks and just don't, don't don't feel particularly fragile, but still have that like toxic excess to their behavior, essentially. So that, that yeah, that's yeah, how that's we could say there's a little it. bit of. Yeah, OK. Um, so, that yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I do think I see a lot of folks playing to that stuff um, in various kinds of ways. So how do we, you know, so I guess my question is when we're trying to deal with this stuff, how do we avoid sort of slipping into a kind of black hat approach that like reinforces harmful stereotypes for the sake of altering people's behavior? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, so let me ask you this question just to get us sort of on this track. What would you say, how would you define like healthy masculinity? Right. You said you think healthy masculinity is a good thing. Um, Why do you think it's a good thing? And like, what are the things that you, what are the virtues of masculinity that you want to see people habituating more? I I mean, one of the things, a great example of that is the pursuit of individual strength, not for your own vanity, but as a means to take care of people. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and not just physical strength, you know, lifting weights, whatever, but, you know, getting your stuff together in your own life so that you're in a good position that you can do good things. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and that's not necessarily, uh, you know, it's not a gender thing, but if you frame it in terms of strength, then it kind of becomes a more masculine thing. It's like it, you put somebody in a situation where the guy's going to stand in, in front of a bully to protect somebody who's weaker. And that that's kind of a, a masculine way of look, framing it and, and that sort of thing. I, I like to, when, when I, it helps to explain like masculinity through fictional characters, right? 
So um, my, my favorite choice, my favorite example is uh, Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. You know, okay. he's, 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 he employs violence when he needs to, but that's not the point of what he does. He's not out there looking for a fight. He's just trying to solve problems and he uses whatever approaches he, need, he needs. He builds up uh, his coalition. He's got stuff going on. He's not, he's not a dick. He's just a, mm-hmm. he's just a good dude. And so mm-hmm. I don't think there are enough role models out there that, that kind of balance those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and our media is just over. I grew up in the eighties. So, I mean, my, my heroes were, you know, Hulk Hogan, Optimus Prime, Rambo, that, that kind of thing. And I didn't know any better. So mm-hmm. we're, and then you, you flip it and you get to art, you know, the current situation and you have the kid, the people that grew up thinking that they were going to, in order to be a, a man, you had to be a, a complete, total badass. Yeah. You, you had to be able to, you know, throw down at a dime and, you know, fight off the enemies and, you know, the, whatever the ruthless terrorist organization threatened to take over the, the world, that kind of thing. Uh, you have to be GI Joe. And, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I felt for that myself, I'm still right. in the military. So I, I, I am a, I'm an instructor for the military. So mm-hmm. that's what I do part-time. Um, but it, th- there's so many ways that these things can manipulate somebody's masculinity that you have to define a good example of what that is. And mm-hmm. unfortunately there's, there's not too many real world examples that you can uh, like look at. I would say uh, Bob Ross is a great example. Uh, Steve Irwin. Great mm-hmm. example. Um, even Mister Rogers. I mean, mm-hmm. he he's not somebody you would necessarily think of as masculine because you know he was soft spoken and very kind. But if you think about it in the right frame of mind, he had the strength to deal with all that stuff. He stood up against a lot of things, and and he put himself out there. And, and that's a that is an inherently masculine trait. Okay, so, so yeah, I mean, so this, mm-hmm. yeah, so bringing up like someone like Rogers or and 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 Ross. Both of whom I think had military service, right? Or was it just Ross? I don't remember. If uh, I think service it was just Ross, but there's a there's a long running internet legend about uh, Mr. Rogers having been a Marine sniper. Which is that what I'm thinking? Okay, right, right. There's a there's a yeah. yeah uh, okay. Um. So or like 50 kills or something, which that would be great, but it, it's not true. Right. So I mean, these are two individuals who you know, are like their, their power is very much centered in like the emotional side of things, right? The artistic side, which is not, you know, at least in our culture, traditionally thought of as masculine, you could argue, you know, in different other cultures, right? Um, uh, samurai, samurais wrote poetry and things like that, for example, right? But um, so what is your perspective on like a healthy guy? How, what should his approach to emotions be right are you encouraging more expression of emotions than like a guy in the 1950s are you sort of buying into this kind of generally stoic you know guys should only cry in like very select circumstances kind of approach how do you how do you deal with that i well one thing i I separate out stoic in the the conventional sense that people use the term Mm -hmm. from capital s stoic so sure. the more the Marcus Aurelius, the Seneca, you know, the Epictetus, that, that, that kind of stoic, which they weren't all about just suppressing your emotions. Your emotions are part of you. They're mm-hmm. part of the experience. They're just not controlling you. They, they right. happen, you process them and you go. 
Um, I, I was explaining to somebody like a while ago in a discussion is like some of the, the, the cultures that have had this, like the greatest badasses in history, like will open Willie weep for something. They had no problem crying. They, they lose somebody. There's just, they express their emotions and, um, mm-hmm. no, no, suppressing your emotions is never a good thing. Now there is a time for it and there's not. And there's a time when you need to display your strength and not, uh, just, make yourself vulnerable by expressing, you know, your temporary fragility. I mean, that that's kind of the gray area there. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that doesn't mean that you, you just bottle it all up and, and then you end up, you know, punching your wife because you can't, you know, process it because you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So you've got this kind of, uh, you know, you have a healthy perspective and you're trying to get through two individuals who I think we would say do not have as healthy a perspective when it comes to masculinity. They have this kind of, fragility issue how do you how do you like first of all how do you like put yourself in a position where they're going to take you at all seriously without having to like model some of your behavior around the tropes that they are expecting a man to look and act like do you know what i mean how do you not kind of slip into playing to their sort of harmful masculine tropes to get their approval in the first place Uh, i mean i have gotten better about not trolling people so bad and in, in discussions and stuff. And I, I, I was, I mean, I was one of the old OG internet troll shit posters. I, I was before the word was a word. I was doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I get it. It's easy to sink into that, to, to be bullying people. And I can't exactly, I, I can't like absolve myself of having done that and mm-hmm. occasionally still doing it. Uh, but I mean, like in, in some discussions, there's just, there's just no way to get through to the person you're discussing it with. So you have to kind of what, well, one of the things I do is I, I make it farcical. I, I, I satirize mm-hmm. myself by just going above and beyond that and, mm-hmm. and just dialing up to 10 to make it look as, as ridiculous as it really is. So, uh, if, if somebody's like trying to chest thump, I can out chest thump a lot of people. So I've gotten really good at that. So internet, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, a perfect example. There was a guy a couple of years ago that he was literally posting like uh, about, um, about he was a um, hyper-masculine dude. And, you know, I, you know, I think he literally said, I don't cry and all this. And so I, I just, I decided, I started messing with him just because mm-hmm. uh, the audience was huge. There's a lot of people in that, in the discussion. And it, this resulted in me taking a picture uh, in an American flag tape top holding an axe and an AK-47 and a, <laughs> and like a, wearing a fedora and just like, just like, man, come at me, bro. And just I, I made it ridiculous mm-hmm. because if you just die, like, honestly, somebody's being completely sincere and thumping their chest. If you just dial it up just a tiny little bit extra, it's farcical. It's it, right. It's not even sincere. And especially with the dudes that are have them nothing behind the chest thumping. They're not going to like, we're going back to the, like a gorilla analogy here. They're going to ch- thump their chest, but they're not going to charge. Mm-hmm. So if you make that 100% apparent that it's just a display, then, and it becomes ridiculous and then people can dial it back. In fact, this dude um, messaged me on the side and, you know, apologized and, and we, we worked it out and, and that kind of thing. But a lot of people are like that. And I, I found that in, like real life interactions with people. If, if they're, if they're acting like they're going to fight, then they really don't want to. Most people don't want to fight. Even the people that act like they do, 
mm-hmm. they just they just want to establish control over the situation or they're mm-hmm. scared or they you know they're, they're just responding based on what they've learned works in the particular situations so if you if you like take it up a notch or two above where they're they're at then it's resolved so that's uh, yeah so that's yeah. Uh, that's interesting so it's like so, so you have sort of almost two different kinds of approaches here it seems like to me so one is the like unironic play directly to the like um you know dominance game right the dominance hierarchy game where you like say look i i disagree with you about this and if you want to show up in a in a um you know in a parking lot somewhere we can like finish this however you like or something which is you know very conventional in a sense right that's very straightforward like trying to roll somebody like i don't want to say i i I hate the phrase like alpha male because it obviously is based on crap science but like (laughs) that that kind of mentality right um versus what you're describing which is um undercutting the whole status game it seems like by making it a big joke right so that's sort of taking the energy out of that kind of game though i i I have to imagine that that only can be really effective in these environments if you already have sort of established your credentials in a more conventional kind of way right like nobody's going to care about someone subverting a system that they don't think someone has already dominated conventionally it seems like is that do you feel like that's true that you have to like balance that satirizing and like no really i will actually beat you up about this yeah and i i think i mean i'm in a unique position to to get away with some of that now there's obviously dudes that i could not pull this off like um tim Mm -hmm. kennedy i don't know if you're familiar with him he's an mma fighter Mm -hmm. he's uh he's been on joe rogan podcast a couple times he's also a special forces uh you know master sergeant and um i (laughs) he has some very far right political views. And so mm-hmm. if we ever got into a discussion about things and it got heated, uh, the dude would actually wreck me. He would just kick my ass. I know because you know, we, we have mutual friends. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're both here in Texas. So, and so, I mean, I know I couldn't pull that off, but for the majority of people, especially people that are within the, the martial arts world, they haven't trained at all and that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it works. And I'm being completely cynical here. It's it really is a kind of bullying, and I I on some level I do feel bad about it, mm-hmm. but then I I know that the this is self serving, but I know that it's for a good cause. I mean, I know that the whole point is to I I'm satirizing myself in a little bit by but saying, look, I'm participating in this. I I'm just as guilty. I I'm being a douche just like you are. But look how bad this is. Look how bad we are. Wouldn't it be nice? The subtext is, wouldn't it be nice if we were just sitting here having a conversation and hmm. we were just talking about stuff that's real? Um, so I don't know. And then, so, yeah, that's that's one tack. So you are trying to kind of reform uh, this this honor culture in a sense, right? And so, and, you know, maybe we could argue that like at one level, this is a very basic like, look, you know, the guys in the IDW who present in these masculine kind of ways are also themselves sort of trying to bully people, right? They're trying to like, in a more sophisticated kind of way, say like, this is what, you know, this is how you have to be masculine or something. And, um, you know, negging men in such a way where they feel like they have to do these things in order to regain that masculinity. So in a sense, you're like, 
doing something like that, but in a way that's trying to get them away from what you see as more harmful bullies, it seems like. Um, but then the ultimate goal, it seems like, is to get to a point where people don't need all of that sort of performative nonsense in order to like just have a conversation. Is that sort of the ultimate? Is that what, what, yeah, is, what you're getting towards? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I would love for that to be the case. I don't, I'm not positive it ever will be i mean because mm -hmm. uh, every year there's another crop of dudes that come up you know with their testosterone just firing out of their i mean i train young soldiers i train 18 year olds so i mean mm -hmm. I, i'm used to seeing those those guys that are just ready to take on the world and you know they're so like i keep getting older they stay the same age so so right. i know it's it, it's just going to keep happening so if we can shift the culture a little bit towards the fact that okay yeah but you're being a douche dude I remember, um, remember, was it last year or two years ago uh, when Gillette came out with that commercial about mm -hmm. masculinity and people lost their damn minds uh, mm -hmm. uh, just because they're like, hey, bro, don't catcall that woman. Oh, my God. Why? Because, you know, I mean, people are just like losing it. And, and the two kids fighting on the ground. Uh, There's a bunch of great memes about that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you can't go at it like that. You can't go straight at it because people are like they're going to flip out. They're like, you're you're in encroaching your trespassing on what they think on their identity to us to an extent so their their rational mind is, is shut off um i mean i know sam harris probably isn't like the most popular person uh, mm -hmm. to discuss on your podcast but he, he did a he did a paper on the fact that if you um like neurologically if you conflate if there's a there's a part of your brain where you have your identity and it's similar to you know what you see about your political views and if you cross those two things over then when somebody attacks your political views, they're attacking your identity. And so it's a personal attack. So it's, it, you react emotionally, not rationally to it. And, and so to, to get around that, you have to, you, you have to pull a sneak attack. You have to come at them from a direction they're not um, like expecting. So that's another mm -hmm. reason why I, we, we do the masculinity thing. Um, if, if you You're notice, still playing on like, emotions uh, though, right? You're still evoking. Yeah. A, a masculine centered kinds of emotions in a sense, anger and, and like confrontation and all these sorts of things a, as a pretext to like, try to jog somebody into then hearing the actual argument. Right. Like, yes. Does another person like height, right. This is very similar to heights approach. And like, I, you know, I, we could certainly debate the science of persuasion and like, whether it's true that, you know, activating someone's identity in these ways is harmful or is actually could be productive. I think there are different, different approaches. Um, and it seems like to some extent what y'all, what you're still doing is activating a specific kind of identity narrative, but trying to sort of uh, put a leash on it and like control it a little bit, right. Get it, get it to shift nudge a little bit towards slightly more productive behavior rather than like, you know, maybe someone like me who wants to say that masculinity is an empty concept and like we should just stop using it broadly speaking or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're nudge is the perfect word for that because uh, some people they're, they're not going to be convinced. It's, it's not an, it's not a rational thing. It's not a logical thing. They're not approaching things logically. It's just, it's an emotion. They're, they're not, like employing what is it the, the system two thinking on this it mm -hmm. I, I get those confused i, I need to reread my kahneman but um your fast yeah, so, and slows yeah uh -huh. yeah yeah yeah. so yeah the, the fast is is there that's it's just all fast and they're just like responding to it emotionally but 
if so if you bypass that at the same level i then you're you're right there's absolutely a, a strong case to be made for whether or not this is even effective i mean mm-hmm. i have seen personal effective but you know anecdotes aren't evidence so i and i'm okay with that because the the second thing that we do in concert with this is that we're not always arguing with the person for mm-hmm. the person's benefit. So mm-hmm. we're arguing for the audience. So there's people in the audience that might be on the fence. They might not be as entrenched in that. And when you're going at somebody back and forth, hardcore um, it's now that that person is just going to dig their heels in more. I mean, it's, it's completely likely, especially if you're, if you're doing a thing is like, Hey, well, everything you think is, is complete bullshit. And you know, so are you in, in effect. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at some point you, you seed the, 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 the purpose of what you're doing to, to a broader purpose. And you're saying uh, like, like the saying that I wrote, cause I did an article on arguing with idiots is like, you don't argue with the idiot for the idiot. You argue for the audience. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and if you're going to do that, just like in a debate, if you're having a formal debate, the, the parties that are debating aren't going to convince each other realistically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the audience that's watching this are the ones that are going, they're more likely to be convinced. So it's the same principle. And it, if you play it out on social media, then, you know, you can, you have a good chance of affecting some positive change. Yeah. I, th- I think that I think that's plausible, especially when you're looking at a community where a lot of folks are trying to like, follow the signals to figure out which are the individuals that they should rely on. And there's a lot of mixed signals. So I, th- I do think there is something plausible to that. So I mean, let's talk about like some of the specific kinds of topics that you feel like are particularly prevalent in these communities right now. Um, you mentioned that like the sort of classic issues of, you know, Tai Chi masters and things being effective <laughs> have become sort of less central. And that in place of that, you've got the like uh, various kinds of naturopath, alternative medicine kind of stuff. You mentioned chiropractors in particular. Why do you feel like chiropractors have um, picked up so much like interest, support, whatever within these communities? Well, within the martial arts community, there's a lot of people that get injured. I mean, I, I don't sure. think I know somebody that's been doing like, especially jujitsu for longer than a week that hasn't had an injury. I've broken both my hands, dislocated shoulder. My nose has been caved in twice. I, I am, I'm just a walking ball of injuries and mm-hmm. it, it's tempting to go to the chiropractor because people are twisting you. They're trying to fold you like laundry in a lot of these sports. So uh, they're mm-hmm. actually, they're trying to fold your clothes and you're still wearing them. So right. <laughs> and, yeah, there's a lot of back injuries. Um, and so a chiropractor, they're ubiquitous. They're everywhere. There's a chiropractor every five feet in larger cities. And because they have a great marketing campaign and people confuse the fact that they're everywhere for their credibility. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, it's just like the fact that you go to a, a drugstore and you might see a homeopathic product on the shelf. You're like, oh, well, it's at a drugstore. So it has to be legitimate. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, no, no, that's, that's not really how it works. And most people don't know the difference between that. So uh, chiropractors are one that run wild. There's a lot. There's, I believe there's actually a few jujitsu black belts that are also chiropractors themselves, which is a great way to drum up business. Hmm. So, uh, it, it's just, it's not very well understood. Cause a lot of these guys, uh, they might not certainly don't have any like hardcore, like, uh, AMP, you know, uh, science education to know the difference between this. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a lot of 
positions that do jujitsu, but there's, there's also a lot of chiropractors and stuff. And so you have to realize that the, the core dude that goes to a jujitsu class doesn't know the difference between a physical therapist and a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. They, as far as they're concerned, they're the same thing. The guy's cracking the back. It makes it feel better. And it's like, okay, yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to keep going to this guy. Uh, meanwhile, the physical therapist whose techniques are peer reviewed, evidence-based, and they, they actually have a little bit more scrutiny on how and why they work. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally does the exact same things that a chiropractor does that work. They just mm-hmm. don't sit there and they're not going to try and crank your spine in a way that does, that has no benefit for you. They're not going to sell you on a bunch of supplements that are like just ultra garbage that aren't even really regulated by the FDA. And they certainly don't believe in what the chiropractors uh, believe in like the innate, uh, which is a spirit that travels up and down the spine. It's like a Mm -hmm. life force kind of thing. And, and all the other like hokey, like nonsensical things that underpin chiropractic, um, I don't want to say medicine. There's really no chiropractic. I'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. So they don't know these things. They don't know that chiropractor was invented by, it was a DD Palmer. Uh, and his official story was that he was given the information by a ghost, hmm. by a ghost doctor. That's right. And, and so that this was like well before the age of science. This was in the 1890s. The guy was a, a grocery salesman and uh, like itinerant con artist. And so right, he, like you do. I think somebody had asked, somebody had asked him to, you know, just like if to look at his back and he cracked it and then it worked and the guy's like, Oh my God. And so he found an entire pseudoscience based on this. Mm-hmm. And then I think uh, the, as the story goes, his son was like this super marketing kind of Steve jobs of the early 20th century kind of dude and just ran with it and tried to get it everywhere. And it pl- proliferated. So, so how happened. would, yeah. So how would you apply your, your techniques when it comes to chiropractor, would you, would you, are you trying to provide people information and shift them towards physical therapists? Are you like saying, look, chiropractors are like the, you know, no touch Tai Chi masters of the medical world that like it doesn't work. And, you know, you shouldn't, you should treat it as the same kind of wooey bullshit as, you know, all of the things that we all mock on our boards now. How's the, how does the like technique work in these situations? Do you think? Uh, Well, with a lot of the things that we're trying to get across, I mean, obviously the anecdotes aren't evidence is a, is a huge point, but that doesn't really bypass people's filters because especially when they've had personal satisfying experiences, going to a chiropractor, getting twisted a little bit and having pain relief. So the tactic that we've taken recently is to explain that you don't really understand what's happening in the first place. So Mm -hmm. you're, you can't, be the best judge of why it's happening, how it's happening and whether it's effective. We do get the messaging out that the parts of chiropractic that work are actually in physical therapy and you can go see a physical therapist and that the fact that you went to an actual doctor and they didn't really know because a lot of doctors just suck at dealing with back problems. That's why we have physical therapists. That's why we have you know those people that study this specifically. Um, mm-hmm. And so they, they have bad experience with the doctor and so they're like, well, crap, these guys don't know crap. I'm going to go to a chiropractor. And there are more chiropractors in out there than there are physical therapists. And they're easier to mm-hmm. access. And they're available on your insurance and, and that sort of thing. So 
Uh, and, and to confuse the issue even more, there are physical therapists that are legitimate physical therapists that get licensed as chiropractors because it's easier to open a business as a chiropractor in, some, in a lot of places. And so you mm-hmm. get more you get more traffic. And then they're like, yeah, I'm not doing any of that hokey, you know, subluxation crap. I'm not trying to, you know, crack your baby's spine, which is a thing that they do. They, sure. they twist little infants and stuff. Yep. It's, it's ridiculous. Horrifying. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, so something else that you mentioned earlier that I wanted to come back to a little bit in the sort of specifics, you know, you mentioned the Gillette ad, um, and I'm curious what the dialogue is like in these communities around the sort of issue of feminization, right? The feminization of men kind of question, like some of the, some of the language you were using earlier about like these people are coming in and and, like messing with our stuff, messing with our identities is very similar to like Gamergate, for example. Um, so yeah, I'm, yeah, and I imagine that has shown up in your world to some extent. Um, I'm curious, like, do you, for example, get accused of like trying to feminize men because you are not taking a hard enough approach when it comes to masculinity or something like that? Or do you see that kind of those kind of accusations get thrown around? I've I mean, not personally. I've never had anybody come out at me, my masculinity. I'm a I'm an army infantry sergeant, so I'm, you know, right. I'm pretty good on that. I've, I've had a couple amateur fights. I, my, my bona fides on that, that front are, are, are pretty unassailable, but I, I can see how that would be a thing. It hasn't really been a thing, but I remember uh, a couple years back, I wrote an article about how instructors in the martial arts shouldn't be trying to sleep with their students. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't abuse their position of authority to try to get laid from the people that are paying the money for a service. And the, the outrage on that was ridiculous. I was not expecting that kind of backlash. There were so many people like, well, it's my school. And you know, if I could, you know, they're, they, they want, they're attracted to a man in power. I'm like, that's the problem, dude. You're, you know, you're in a <laughs> position of authority over this. There's a disparity and trying to explain the concept of, a uh, of consent and power disparities to, you know, some dude that's been punched in the head about 50 times is, is really challenging. So, well, I mean, we've run into that. Let me tell you, though, I wouldn't assume it's the getting punched in the head repeatedly that's the issue here, because this is actually something where your world and mine overlap perfectly. As someone who spent his entire life in academia, there is this continuing debate in academia, don't sleep with your students, and you will always always get pushback from people being like well i know about xyz who has this 10 year long loving relationship with someone who was a former student or something like that right so there's always there is absolutely that same kind of oh well you're being paternalistic you know let people just live their lives kind of stuff so yeah i feel like i see exactly the same kinds of arguments in in a setting that doesn't involve any like minimally involve people getting hit in the head Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I go to that often because that's, that's our core audience. I think I, uh, mm-hmm. I, I put it one way. It's like, I don't write articles for people that read the New Yorker. I write articles for people who read microwave pizza instructions more than once. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. that, Hey, that's, that's, that's we, we important. Come at it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's great. It's a, it's a useful skill, but we, who, um, who among us hasn't so, had to go to the recycling and get the box back out because you don't make sure, make sure. You I was like, Oh crap. Yeah. It's five minutes on low power. Shit. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I know, but it's just these, these guys aren't aren't used to that that sort of thing. I, I like to think that I have enough of a foot into to both of the worlds to try and 
mm-hmm. dumb down some of the concepts. Dumbing down sounds condescending. So uh, just just to retranslate and repackage some of the concepts right. um, that are essential to understand that just don't like diffuse out into the popular discussion in an accurate way. In fact, I I was writing an article and I abandoned this years ago because it was just it was awful. I was trying to explain how academic concepts diffuse into the popular discourse mm-hmm. by drawing an analogy to the um the what is the human centipede so mm-hmm. you know because <laughs> at, at, at the head of the centipede i'm very with you on this yeah let's go <laughs> I, I might publish it just for just for funsies i mean i uh-huh. i think i was i was trying to explain uh postmodernism to and th- this was at the time when everybody's like oh my god it's a new boogeyman um postmodernism is like they're saying that things aren't real and nothing's real. It's like, no, it's not, it's not how it works. So that was, that was the gist of it. I was, I was getting to that (laughs) point, but so all these things that that poorly diffuse into the, the popular, the Joe Rogan level discourse about things. uh, Mm -hmm. And then you have like, uh, I don't, I don't want to bring it up because I have absolutely no opinion on it as this person here, but like critical race theory. Mm -hmm. And then you Mm -hmm. have like Republican politicians discussing it with no concept other than no idea, no one, no grasp of that. Just to say, just to present it as the new boogeyman or Hey, mm-hmm. our, our, our good buddy, um, JL. Yeah. It, it's the new boogeyman. Everything's a, uh, gotta be something to scare people away from. And I don't, mm-hmm. for example, let's say socialism. I, I know you're, you're, you're more of a Marxist, right? Um, uh, <laughs> to an extent. It depends on who I'm talking to. It seems like I'm either a, a, a <laughs> neoliberal exactly. shill or a Marxist. <laughs> exactly yeah. i mean th- there's no room for for having a nuanced opinion you got to have a label mm-hmm. and it's got to be yours and you got to be so the people that are trying to do that that can't tell you what socialism even means it's just bad that, mm-hmm. that that's that's what we're trying to get around and uh yeah so i i, I it's frustrating because to to do to distill these ideas properly down mm-hmm. to a level of somebody that has never even read the ab- an abstract of a, of a published you know paper is, is is tricky because you don't want to lose that nuance, but then you don't want to lose the audience either. And right. People like to be spoon fed. So. No, and I think the uh, the human centipede model of culture war is very accurate. Um, <laughs> and, and like it's unfortunate because I think a lot of these folks take advantage of the fact that they know they're talking to people who have no familiarity with academic publishing. And it's very easy to make it sound much scarier if those people don't have any kind of experience on that. Um, I mean, another thing that you mentioned that I'm, I'm so you said that, you know, critical race theory uh, has maybe popped up a little bit, but it isn't much, but like you also mentioned vaccine hesitancy, which seems much more like a serious concrete issue that does also tie can tie to the kind of masculinity stuff that we've been talking about. There was, um, I I haven't seen the most recent numbers, but there was a lot of concern around, um, in particular, conservative men being unwilling to get the coronavirus vaccine. And as we've already discussed, Joe Rogan has been kind of promoting various degrees of hesitancy. So like, just first of all, descriptively within the community, do you feel like you're confident that like the majority of people will get the vaccine are you anxious that there's going to be a lot of holdouts um how are you how are people sort of talking about it in your communities well uh with specifically with the martial arts mma community there are a Mm -hmm. lot of well-adjusted people with their heads in the right place that understand this and want to get back to to normal they want their there's gyms and schools full of people 
And they realized the best way to do that is get vaccinated, open up um, like 100%. I know, um, mm-hmm. and then there's, they've been doing it right the entire time. I know a couple of Sambo schools. Um, there's one in New York City, huge one. Uh, Steve Kapfer runs uh, American Sambo Association. He's probably the top ranked Sambo guy in the United States completely. And um, he's just been doing a, uh, basically a, uh, a node, his own little like mm-hmm. cluster of people that are trustworthy, trustable, that you need references to, to train because they're doing the right thing. They're social distancing. They're wearing masks. They're they're Yeah. They're like their own little cohort. And so mm-hmm. that's, there's some, there's a lot of people that are doing the right thing. And then there are a lot of people that are just absolutely bragging about having their underground training sessions and they're not getting vaccinated and they're running around downtown drinking and licking the windows. Um, and so <laughs> those were the ones that we, uh, we, we've run into a lot of issues with. So, yeah, and you're right. It it does overlap a lot with masculinity, because it's like I don't I don't need a shot, man. Why would I need a shot? I can fight it off on my own until you know they're choking mm-hmm. to death on a breathing tube. Right. Exactly. Do you feel like um, what is the enforcement in the community going to look like? Do you think? Do you feel like um, tournaments are going to require vaccinations? <laughs> I would hope so, but I know better. I, I know <laughs> okay, a, a lot. They've been running tournaments. They've been running tournaments since last summer. I mean, just mm-hmm. jujitsu tournaments, people showing up, like breathing into each other's face, sweating into each other's eyeballs, just, you know, whatever, just YOLO. They don't give a crap. So I, I, I'm not hopeful. I think, I, I think it's going to be a, a backwards ass herd immunity sort of thing. That's going to solve the problem because just, there's always going to be some holdouts. There's always going to be the knuckleheads that, you know, just don't take it seriously. They're, they're, I mean, we were discussing anti-vaxxers well before any of this was a, was a thing. And it was the same kind of problem. It's a, the kids showing up with like, I don't know, whooping cough at, at their, their grade school or something. And um, cause, cause their parents didn't want to get them, get them vaccinated. So, mm-hmm. and I understand, I, I do, I get the, the live free or die mentality. I mean, I, I just may have culpa here, but I like, 20 years ago, I, I had a copy of Atlas Shrugged and I thought it was the greatest thing in, in the world because, you know, I didn't know. <laughs> we all make better. mistakes. It's okay. So, yeah. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'm responsible for my life and nobody else is responsible for it and I'll deal with the consequences and blah, 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 blah. And so I, I get that spirit of independence. You don't want to be told what to do. You don't want the government to tell you what you can do with your body and, and your mm-hmm. own bodily mm-hmm. autonomy and that I, I get how people can interpret that as an infringement and I'm I'm not unsympathetic to it, but the people that fixate on those things, I, I've had many arguments with them. Um, they just don't see the broader picture and they, they have a, a bad sense of scale and they don't know how to prioritize risks. So mm-hmm. I, I spent weeks back and forth arguing with uh, one jujitsu practitioner out of the Pacific Northwest. I'm not going to mention him, but we eventually stopped being associated completely over it. Mm. And um, he's like, I tried to explain it to him in terms of, okay, you're wearing a mask on your face because it's to protect people from you. And he's, and his argument was, well, they shouldn't go outside if they're afraid of catching the virus. I'm like, but people have to go outside. They have to get groceries, you know, have to live their life. So just put, put on a mask, you know, put it on your face. He's like, no, I was like, and so I tried to explain it in terms of, okay, so what you're doing, you're walking down the grocery aisle, swinging your arms, throwing shadow boxing, pu- throwing punches. And if somebody needs to get the Rice Krispies, 
Well, mm-hmm. then they shouldn't have been reaching for the Rice Krispies when you threw your punch. That's what you're doing. And mm-hmm. it still didn't sink in. And so I, I consider that a failure on my part. Um, but you, you have to try to draw these analogies into stuff that people can get. And so, yeah, coming back to the martial arts, is it, it, it's tricky. So, yeah, there's a lot of people that are just not going to get the vaccine. And they're just going to continue uh, doing a full contact sport with other people and being their own little clusters of mini super spreaders. And mm-hmm. we're just going to have to hope, hope for the best. Do you ever try to tie it back to what you were saying earlier about how masculinity is, you know, being strong enough to protect others and that like, if you were really masculine, you'd get the vaccine and like suck it up and do the thing and, and deal with the day of being sick so that you could like protect others in that kind of way. <laughs> I have, uh, I have, pulled that string a little bit it's like oh you're afraid you're scared you you you're scared of a little shot he's like you're gonna, you're gonna cry man it's just, you're just gonna shot you just don't want to go to the doctor and get a boo-boo so i mean yeah and you know i mean it's it's not the best thing in the world to have done that but again i was in those cases you're arguing for the audience and, and i'm being ridiculous of course so mm-hmm. it, it's transparent to the people that have the best chance of getting the message to, mm-hmm. to the people that have no chance of getting the message, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm just being a dick and, mm-hmm. and you know, screw me. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's just, I would love to have seen some, I, I wish I had kept the receipts on every single argument that I've ever had um, on this stuff. I, I should have made some monster Excel sheet um, hmm. to put all this thing like, and given myself a scale for whether or not I felt it was effective uh, it's just, just, I don't know, just, just roughly, but I, I want to believe that I've changed a lot of minds. I've had people message me about things, um, privately, of course, because there's no face involved at, at that level. Sure. Uh, nobody, nobody's having to back down or, you know, show their ass, but I, I'm and people are like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I get it. I, w- I wasn't going to do it in, you know, before, but I, I see your point, <sighs> but like, Obviously, I don't feel like we, like everyone is doing enough. And of course, the people that are doing it at the federal government level just suck ass at, mm-hmm. at trying to get this message across to people. Even when they're trying hard to be, you know, with it and hip, it, it's transparent. It's it's contrived mm-hmm. and nobody's going to buy it. I, I think public health messaging in, in the U.S. is, is an atrocity. Uh, I, I think they need people that, I don't know. They need to recruit people that don't work in public health messaging and are not bureaucrats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's why kind of like we do it on the side. We're, we're trying to play like, okay, yeah. Anthony Fauci's not trying to eat your children's brains, dude. Uh, he's, he's been working his whole life. He's, he's, I mean, this, we can't even take credit for it, but there was the meme going around. It's like, yeah, yeah. This man has spent 40 years just to, you know, when the vast conspiracy, uh, you know, expose himself to Ebola just to make you wear a piece of cloth on your face. Yeah. Right. It just, it, I don't know, man. <laughs> no, it's hard. There's, there's a lot of stuff running around. So I, I realize we're a little short on time. I'm curious. You mentioned QAnon. Are there any sort of other things that you feel like are brewing on the horizon for these communities? Like other, you know, conspiracies or issues that you feel like, because, you know, there's always this kind of churn with the culture war. Um, you know, even if there was an issue, it gets, you know, dull. People move on to the next issue. Do you have any sense of, like, where things are going in that way? I would have, if you'd asked me, what, six months ago or maybe a little bit mm. before, I would have said that the more 
wacky uh, areas of the IDW were going to take root broadly in the uh, in, in this this whole uh, community. Uh, I mean, they they do have a lot of overlap with, with Rogan's audience, um, and so you know mm-hmm. the Weinstein's and, and and that kind of thing. But I I'm I I've gotten the sense that it's not as bad as it could have been. And I, I'd hmm. like to attribute some of that to Sam Harris just cutting the feet out from under him. Like, you know, I, I don't want anything to do with this. This is no. Uh, he he publicly repudiated them, and I think think it, that took a lot of wind out of their their sails. Um, because hmm. I mean, he's a he's a jujitsu guy. He's well respected among the people that are more educated in the community, and so I, I think that kind of had a ripple effect that was positive. Um, so other than the fact that just broadly we're more of a divided country right now, we're just so just drown the middle. Everything is black or white. It's a binary. You're on, you know, team Pepsi or team Coke or whatever. It, it's mm-hmm. all tribal. So I, I, I don't think it's going to get much worse. I, I am concerned that somebody like our, our buddy JL uh, would uh, mm-hmm. his, his whole cynical thing would, would take root. Uh, and become a, a broader thing, but I, I don't see that happening. And I, especially with the martial arts community, because like he, he does Tai Chi and you know, <laughs> whatever. So it, To be fair, I also do Tai Chi. I'm not sure that he actually <laughs> does Tai Chi, um, but I, 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 get, I get why his uh, public persona as a martial artist would probably not be super compelling to the folks that you are <laughs> working with. Um Related to that, that I just last about video, this. Man. <laughs> I know, I know. And like, you know, I, I very much want to encourage, you know, amateur martial arts. And like, I have videos online of me doing katas. And, you know, I'm sure people could be critical of those as well. But like, at the same time, I'm also sympathetic to like, if someone's going to be such a hyper masculine narcissist all the time. A little bit of poking fun is probably in order, um, so it's it's a it's a it's a difficult balance to walk. But let me ask let me ask you about this: Do you see much white identity politics in your communities? I know that like you probably are dealing with more conservative individuals than I would be dealing with on a regular basis. Do you worry about sort of the the re rise of the white identity politics? Well, where it it exists, it it sort of has always existed. I don't think it's, it, mm-hmm. it's like more endemic in martial arts simply by the nature of the fact that, I mean, if you look at it this way, martial arts are kind of cosmopolitan. You're, mm-hmm. you're dressed like in feudal Japanese pajamas and you know, you're maybe speaking a little Portuguese, like for the, some of the techniques and you know, your instructor is, is, is more than likely Brown uh, or Asian, depending on what, what you're doing. So it's not as bad mm-hmm. as it, it could be in some, in like, let's say the firearms community. So, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, mm-hmm. I, I've got a feet, couple feet in too. Cause you know, I, I'm sure. Well, let's not go do down all train, that road. Do you all train with guns in the military? Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A couple times. I mean, once in a while, so. <laughs> but, I hear um, they're pretty effective. Those guns. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I'm not gonna touch that with a ten foot pole right now because I I am I'm a pro Second Amendment guy, so that's okay. That would be a whole other. Like, I'm also a pro point. Second Amendment guy. I I just think it's you know uh, it would be silly for a pro Second Amendment person to be like, look, guns are not you know like significantly more lethal right than other kinds of weapons right, and it, like 
I, I think it's fair to say, right, the difference between, you know, 10 people dead and 10 people wounded is often the difference between did they have a gun or did they have a knife? Right. And of yeah. course, we could caveat that with, you know, well-trained X individual could do a bunch of damage with a pencil. But like, yeah. you know, there's there's a multiplier there in terms of effectiveness. But I will I will get you in trouble with your gun with your gun <laughs> community. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So. Um, all right. So I got to get you to the enlightening round. Are there any other resources that you would okay. po- point folks towards besides like your own Bullshito website and podcast and things like that in terms of resources that you think would be really helpful for people in these communities uh that would put them in a better direction there's just so much out there and it's honestly it's poorly curated there's a ton of skeptical websites out there there's a ton of resources it's dropped off since james randy took a like a a back well he died so i mean Mm -hmm. that he he was a leading leading voice in that in in the whole online battle against nonsense and i kind of wish we had a a more I, I wish there was an error to him, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of people out there. There's just as much skeptical content on YouTube as there is bullshit content. It's just the algorithm seems to prefer the bullshit content because it gets more clicks and it's more, I mean, mm-hmm. if we're not worried about being honest, then you can employ whatever techniques you want to get, get eyeballs. So um, sure. you have to want to look for it. And that's kind of what we're trying to cultivate is the desire to first say, Hey, I'm vulnerable to being bullshitted, to being taken advantage of because I can't see through the bullshit. So I'm going to try and like make myself better. It's just, it's doing pushups for your brain. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's how we're trying to frame it. So the first step is to really get people to start looking for it in the first place and to start saying, Hey, where am I? Where are the, where are the things that I'm falling for? What, what can I, what tools Mm -hmm. can I use to, you know, get just teaching somebody about like Occam's razor, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you go down the whole side side thing about that, but teach people about that there are heuristics and techniques and tools you can use to try and limit the amount of bullshit that you fall for, and then you, mm-hmm. you can improve on that. So that's, that's and just being able to start and being aware that you're you're vulnerable to that is, is the first place. And then from there, you, you can start looking for the right thing. Yeah, just don't end up on mm-hmm. Ben Shapiro's website and... Uh, you'll probably be okay. I think that's a good, I mean, there's always, we we try to reiterate within the skeptical community that like skepticism is a mindset and a process, not a destination, right? You're, you're training to keep doing this thing over and over again forever. So yeah, I'm definitely sympathetic to that. Um, I think that's a good place for us to, to wrap. So speaking of, um, mental push-ups i've now got to ask you to drop and give me 20 because this is <laughs> the enlightening round enlightenment comes from within so okay the enlightening round i'm gonna give you a list of things you are gonna tell me are these things real or not real those are your only options you cannot hedge you don't get to define what you mean by real or not real that is all you have available are you ready do it okay so let's find out first of all is anything real no (laughs) no no it's so hard not to hedge (laughs) i know so do you really want to go no there are you gonna there's no do you want to do you want to elaborated answer on that it's like uh oh so here's what's gonna happen if you say no if you say no, that nothing is real, I'm going to go through the list and you're going to have to tell me for sure that none of the things on the list are actually real. Okay. So that's right. the way that's I mean, going to work. In the sense that we 
perceive you know in no, no 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 there's no there's no hedging, okay, I'm hedging. <laughs> okay yes i do think things are real so i'm okay I, great. I do think there is a a reality okay great so let's find out let's find out what is real right okay first of all okay. the external world real or not real real okay colors real or not real Ooh. Uh, ah, define colors? No. Uh that's <laughs> real in the frequency vibrations? No, no, just real or not real. Okay. These are these are your words. Uh, okay. Uh real. Let's go okay. real. Okay. <laughs> Y'all should really see the amount of deep breathing that is going into this process. It's <laughs> impressive to watch it, watch a guy suddenly start to give birth. Um, okay, phenomenal consciousness, real or not real? Ooh, mm, not real. Okay, free will, not real. Selves or persons, constructed, so not real. Okay. Genders? No, no. You know what? I don't think no. they're they're real in the concrete. Okay, okay. That's, that's, that's all you get. That's all you get. Races? Right. Oh, not real at all. Races okay. are stupid. Species? Species. I, again, it, we constructed that. It's it's our <laughs> way of looking at No, no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. Real or not real? <laughs> Ah, okay. Damn it! This uh, <laughs> reducing everything to a binary sucks. Uh, so that. Uh, yeah. So okay, fine. Not real. Okay, morality. <laughs> real, and I I have All reasons, right. but I don't know if you want. Okay, them. no, no, that's okay. This show accept it already accepts that that is the correct answer, so you don't have to worry. Uh, rights. I want them to be real. <laughs> You're going to lose all your libertarians on this one. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe in God given rights if that's. Uh, yeah, real or not real. Come on. All right. You know what? Not real. Okay. Knowledge. Oh, wow. This sucks. <laughs> I should have studied. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to say real, because okay, no, that's all. That's, that's, I mean, that's yeah, it's, it's real. Yeah. God yeah, or gods? No, not real. Come on. Okay, society. Uh, there's just. I've got so many words I want to I don't, apply I don't, this. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no, not, not real. real. Okay, great. Money? Oh. I, as someone who's totally invested in a lot of cryptocurrency, it's totally not real. So, no. <laughs> okay, great. Numbers? Yeah, real. Okay. Fictional characters? No, no, I'm just, no, not real. Like, okay. subjective. Holes? No. Holes like a hole in the ground? Holes. Like a hole in the ground. Uh, I, I have a busted ankle from a hole I, I ran into the woods. 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to say they're real. Therefore real. Good. That's a fair answer. Uh, chairs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> chairs are real. Uh, I'm not sitting on the floor. So. Okay. So real. <laughs> uh, sandwiches. Sandwiches. Depends on how the bread's sliced. Nah, nah, if nah, it's nah. like the Subway bread, then it's a taco, not a sandwich. So. <laughs> real or not real? <sighs> real, because I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Natural I laws. I, I, <laughs> Ooh. Natural laws. Uh, aside from the ones that are nasty, brutish, and short. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to say real in, in that sense. Yeah. Okay. Beauty. But, you know, I'm going to say real because I have romantic tendencies. So, yeah. Okay. Love. In the, in the actual sense. Ooh. No. No, that was an interesting term. Okay, causality. Yeah, I know, I know. God. Ah, all right. You're uh, this this is not coming off well on audio because I'm sitting here. (laughs) No, this is this is coming off exceptionally well. (laughs) I don't think you understand Uh, how well this is going. (laughs) Causality. Uh, I'm. Okay, real. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's real because things happen. Okay. Okay. And finally, time. Thank God. Not real. Okay. No. You survived. How do you feel? Oh God! It's like yeah, the time. Uh, if. Time does not feel real because that was just going on forever. Jeez. <laughs> I have to admit there is a special kind of pleasure in getting to torture someone who could very clearly <laughs> kick my ass. Like it's it's fun to mess with a drill sergeant in this kind of way. I don't think a lot of people get to have that kind of fun in their lives. So uh, I appreciate you yeah. letting me torture you in that particular kind of way. And and when we ever hang out in person, you can arm bar me to get back at me for it. It's fair. That's fair. That's yeah. Seems I, seems fair. Seems fair, right? <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Um, Frost, do you want to let folks know where they can find you one more time? Um, yeah. Uh, Bullshito.net is our website. We have forums, but they're a wretched hive of scum and villainy. So, you know, mm-hmm. at your own risk. Uh, I'm on Twitter. <laughs> I'm usually on Facebook, but I, I get banned every couple of days just because they're going off the rails. So, um, yeah, uh, that's that's pretty much it. I have a, uh, my own blog, but it's it's even worse. So, like, don't even bother to look that up and um yeah just say hi on on twitter you know at phrosd because i made the handle back in the 90s when you know hacker speak was cool fair enough yes and i think you know our listeners who are familiar with monster island will understand your forum situation and will choose to act <laughs> appropriately i mean even we didn't get a chance to talk about your views on localizing the relocalizing the internet which is something that i'm very sympathetic to as well actually but we'll have to get back together at some point and chat about that totally down for it sounds great just not not questions about you know existence (laughs) oh no uh the round two is the trolley problem so if you come back you have to do that next time Did you see the meme where it was like a five-year-old kid that drew a a complete circle or yeah, yeah. completed the track? 
that's, that's my favorite. If there's a trolley meme, I've probably seen it or used it in the class. Um, okay. Well, thanks so much. This has been a lot of fun. All right. Thanks, man. It's been great. As a human, I was ill-equipped to thank you. But as myself, you have my everlasting gratitude. Thanks to our listeners and patrons who make the show possible. Thanks, as always, to our top-tier patrons, our Archon-level patrons, Lawrence Shielding, Dude, Fix the Vote, Jesse Urbinowitz and Brenda Goodman, Chad T, and CampQuest.org, CampQuest.org, CampQuest.org. And all of the thanks to our Archduke-level patrons, Big Easy Blasphemy, Creepy Void Eyes, and Dave Maslich. Thank you so much for making all of this possible. If you'd like to support the show, please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and a review on your podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at ETVPod. And if you notice a small void growing within you, consider supporting us financially at patreon.com slash embrace the void. Just $4 a month gets you early access to episodes and our bonus ETV reading group content. Most of all, open that third eye and see you are the void and the void is you. 